0: What's up, guys? Welcome to True Crime Queen. My name is Ginger. Listener discretion is advised. The dark nature of the show is not suitable for young ears or those sensitive to graphic material. But without further ado, let's go. So, Lori Vallow Daybell, a recent Doomsday podcaster, is currently at the center of a very messy and very confusing missing children's case. The mother of the two recently missing children from Idaho has been married a total of five times. She's connected to four odd deaths. She's possibly related to two more failed shooting attempts. She believes she's the reincarnated, immortal wife of the founder of the Mormon Church. And lastly, she completely refuses to contribute any helpful information on her children's whereabouts or the simple fact of whether or not they're even alive at this point. This is the crazy case of Lori Valos Daybell and her missing children, Tylee Ryan and J.J. Valos. And I'm going to do the best that I can to make sense of this case and the people playing major parts in it. I thank you to anyone that can stick it out with me because this is a clusterfuck of a case. So I'm going to focus on Lori and start with her marriages. Lori's first marriage is from 1992 to 1995, and she marries her high school sweetheart. For whatever reason, they divorce, and she marries again in 1995 till 1998. In that marriage, she has her first son named Colby, and he's born in 97 or 1998. I'm not totally sure. On March 25th of 1998, I am sure that Lori's sister, Stephanie Cox Cope, Died of diabetic shock while Alex, Lori, and Stephanie's brother is in the home. He was found using her credit cards in the weeks after her death. And she was said to have a daughter named Melanie Cope, who is Lori's niece. And Lori kind of becomes like a second mom to Melanie because Melanie's mom, Stephanie, Lori's sister, had died. So moving on, Lori's third marriage is to a man named Joseph Ryan. And then they have a little girl named Tylee in 2002. They both take his last name. So they have Colby Ryan and Tylee Ryan. That marriage only lasts about 18 months after Tylee is born. And Lori gets married for a fourth time to a man named Charles Vallow in Las Vegas, Nevada. And that's on February 24th of 2006. Lori and Charles go on to adopt a little boy named Joshua Jackson from Charles's sister, Kay. This boy, Joshua Jackson, which they later called JJ, was born addicted to certain drugs. So his biological grandparents initially adopted him, and then Charles and Lori decided that the little boy is a little bit too much for them, and they decide to adopt him in 2013, and he's said to have... Or he's said to be considered a level two on the autism spectrum, and he needs a lot of extra care to maintain consistency for him. In March of 2018, Lori's third husband, Joseph Ryan, dies of a sudden heart attack and he is cremated. And that's when Anne Cushing, Lori's ex-sister-in-law, really notes a change in Lori's behavior and, and rather extreme beliefs in The End of Times. I believe this also starts to interfere with Charles and Laurie's relationship as well because they start fighting and Laurie ends up actually stealing $35,000 from her husband Charles's bank account. They're arguing a lot, accusations of adultery on both sides. And Charles tells his sister Kay about a situation where he's on business in Texas and Laurie actually cancels his plane flight home and then and then using the spare key to his truck she goes and takes his truck from the airport where he had it stashed and when he finally gets home and realizes so Lori and Charles begin fighting like crazy and Charles even tells his sister later about an incident where while he's on a business trip in Texas Lori had transferred $35,000 from one of his business accounts and drained it then she goes to cancel his plane flight home to Arizona, using a spare key that they have at the house. So when he finally does get home, he finds that Lori also steals. So while on a business trip in Texas, Lori cancels his flight back home and takes his car from the airport parking lot using a spare key. She takes Charles's underwear like a bitch And then also JJ's clothes, his iPad, his service dog's collar, which is necessary for like her training and her belongings. And then she transfers $35,000 out of a business account that he has. And she takes off for like 90-ish days. And during that time, he goes to file divorce. So on February 8th of 2019, he starts proceedings and he claims in the statement that Lori believes that she's a reincarnated God assigned to carry out the work of the 144,000 for Jesus's second coming, which is supposed to be July of 2020. And she'll kill Charles and whoever gets in her way because God has sent her an angel to help dispose of the bodies. And these are all words that she has said to him and he's writing in his petition for custody. And he's seeking full custody of JJ because Tylee is 16 and said to be emancipated, but also... Tylie is technically just Lori's daughter and is really just looking out for his adopted son. He even attempted to have her voluntarily committed to be mentally evaluated, but she refused as she is a translated being who cannot taste death. So Charles is pretty freaked out and he starts forewarning other family members that if anything ever happens to him, that it's most likely Lori and her brother Alex Cox responsible for whatever happened. So in March of 2019, just a month after he files divorce, Lori returns to Arizona and Charles dismisses the divorce, but they remain separated. He begins renting her a house in Arizona and moving back to Texas. And then a few months later, on July 11th, police are called to Lori's home at 830 in the morning because her brother Alex apparently shot and killed her soon-to-be ex-husband, Charles Bowlo two times in the chest in self-defense just like Charles had predicted. So I'm going to play this 911 call for you guys because it is very odd how calm her brother Alex is speaking to the dispatchers and to cops. You can also see body cam footage online, and I'll link it for you guys in the description. Jesse? And just repeat
1: the address to confirm it.
0: 3-1, South 4 Peaks.
1: And what is the emergency? Um.
2: Uh, I, I shot my brother-in-law.
1: Okay, what part of his body is injured? Uh, in the chest. I'm sorry, where? In the chest. Okay, is he awake and responsive or unconscious? Unconscious. Okay, is he breathing? I can't tell. Okay, are you, wanting, are you willing to go over to him and check? Sure. Okay, do you just let me know if you see his chest going up and down? How old is he?
2: It's not moving, he's 60.
1: Okay, and are you wanting to start CPR?
2: No, I don't know how
1: to do that. I can walk you through it. Okay. So what I want you to do is you're going to put one hand in the center of his chest. Yeah. The other hand's going to go right on top of it. Okay. You're going to interlock your fingers, keeping your arms straight, and you're going to press down hard and fast into his chest. You're going to go okay. two inches down and fairly quickly. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10, making sure his chest goes up between each compression. Where's the gun okay. now? Uh,
2: it's in the other room.
1: Okay. PD, we're going to stage for you. Okay, thank you. And just keep going with those compressions. Petey, did you have any other questions? Yes,
3: what's your name, sir?
2: My name is Alex. last name is Cox. Do you like And where
3: are you in now?
2: Uh, In the living room. And where is Uh, It's in the bedroom.
3: Who else is there in the house with you? Uh, Just me.
2: What gun is it? it, uh... It's it's my gun. It's a forty-five. A pistol? forty-five caliber pistol? Yeah. Yeah. What's his name, your brother-in-law? Charles Vallow.
3: His last name, I'm sorry.
2: V-A-L-L-O, Vallow.
1: The police are on the way to help you. Um, Thank you. Are you still doing chest compressions today? Yes. Okay, just keep pushing down hard and fast in the center of this chest. How long ago did this occur? Did it just happen?
2: Yeah, maybe five minutes before I called.
1: Okay. okay were you guys arguing when this happened? Yeah. And you said there's
3: nobody else there, just you and him, correct? Correct. Okay. And so was he armed also, or just you, or what happened
2: there? Yeah, he he came at me with a bat.
3: anyone mm-hmm. be drinking or doing drugs or anything today,
2: or no? I, I don't know, but I've never seen him that enraged before.
3: Did he live there with you, or where did he live?
2: No, he lives in Houston. got
3: married to your sister. Is she where is she
2: is? Correct. Uh, I don't know. I think she's uh, taking her son to school doing
3: that. See anything? Any response from him? Uh, He's not responding at all. Some officers should be there. Let me know
2: when they get inside. So, is the front door open? Yeah. It's unlocked. Can you
3: come out, walk outside with your hands empty? Are you able to do that with your hands up and empty? Yep.
1: Yep.
0: I mean, like, I know that if I was in my full rights of shooting somebody, I would be more calm. I would be a little calm. I would cuz I wouldn't be worried about the fact that I'm probably going to be going to jail, but I'd also be kind of scared about how my sister and niece might be reacting to the fact that I shot her stepdad. I don't know. I mean, it's still kind of a big deal. It the fact that he's so calm is is very weird to me. If you watch the body cam footage, it only makes it weirder. Because he claims that after breaking up a scuffle earlier between Charles and Lori, that's when Tylee brought out a bat to protect her mom. So Lori leaves with Tylee and JJ to take him to school when Charles comes at Alex, hits him with a bat, and Alex ends up shooting him two times in the chest. What's even more interesting here is that Lori and Tylee actually come back to the house after police have arrived and started sealing off the scene. Lori herself almost seems, like, inconvenienced by the huge police presence. And she kind of jokes on the body cam footage about how her new neighbors are probably judging her. What's most odd to me is that she seems like she's already aware that Charles was killed. Like, she's not upset. She's not concerned at all about Tylee's reaction. And she, I guess, tells police that Charles left with JJ but came back to the house because he'd left his phone which she was admittedly snooping through and wouldn't give it back. And that's when they started fighting and Tylee had brought up the bat. Charles took the bat from Tylee and started threatening Lori. And that's when Alex broke it up and Lori left to take JJ and Tylee to school in Charles's rental car. Which is kind of weird because, like I said, this is July 11th. And so I'm not sure what kind of school is operating in July 11th for a seven-year-old. Maybe it's extra classes that he might have to take related to his autism but that's still really weird to me even so like why would you take your ex-husband's rental car or why if if you won't give him back his phone and he's mad at you why the hell would he ever let you drive his rental car and he would just like he's literally stuck there if that's the case he's stuck in the house if Lori took his car to take JJ to school with Tylee which really makes no sense at all Lastly, Tylee in the video cam footage, she seems nervous. She's overall calm, but she's, like, crossing her arms and, like, holding herself. She says to police these exact words. In retrospect, I shouldn't have brought up the bat. Police officers comment that was very well said for someone that was only 16 at the time and also, you know, should just be hearing the news that her stepdad had just been shot and killed because I can't see in the footage where cops tell her, That her stepdad has been shot. And like, I know stepdads sometimes get a bad rap, but like, personally, if my uncle shot my stepdad, I wouldn't be acting this way. I'd personally be freaking out. I'd be really upset at my uncle, wondering what the hell could have led to this. I'd be upset with my mom for not being as upset as I am. I mean, it's just, it's really odd. So later that night, after her ex husband is killed in her home, Neighbors report to news outlets that she ends up having like a pretty raging pool party barbecue where you can just hear them laughing and telling jokes all into the night. Charles had two older sons from a prior marriage and Lori decides that it's most appropriate if she just texts them about their father's death. So that's how they found out because she's a fucking heartless bitch. In the few days after Charles Vallow's death, since they're not technically divorced, Lori goes ahead and calls the life insurance company, where Charles has a $1 million life insurance policy, and they proceed to tell her that he changed his beneficiary to his sister Kay, which is JJ's biological grandparents, when he had filed for divorce from her in February. So Lori is super fucking pissed and sends a rage text to Kay with a picture of the policy and states, leaves five kids with nothing, sister gets everything. And that's when Kay and Larry Woodcock, Charles Vallow's sister and brother-in-law, start getting worried that Lori is not letting their grandson JJ speak to them anymore. Because they only have one more phone conversation when they used to have regular FaceTime calls. And the last one they have is in is sometime in August. And they tell reporters that even at that call, it was only like 30 some seconds long. And it seems like somebody was distracting JJ and getting him off the phone. And a couple months will go by before they start getting very, very suspicious. So later the same summer... Lori and her niece Melanie, the girl she's been taking care of since Lori's sister died, apparently joined some religious group and, and then Melanie turns around and immediately files for divorce from her 10-year marriage with a man named Brandon Bedreau, which he found really odd because they spent a lot of time with Lori in their 10-year marriage and didn't expect such a sudden request for divorce after joining this religious group. On July 22nd, it's noted that Lori had inquired about rehoming JJ's specially trained service dog named Bailey. And then about a month later, the religious group that she has starts producing a podcast that Lori is featured on with a woman named Melanie Gibb. About a week after the first episode, Lori manages to get her son JJ's service dog back to the trainer. And she pretty much just tells him that because her husband died, they are they're picking up their things and moving, so they can't have the dog anymore. And he mentions to reporters that when he's there picking up the dog and they're packing up her car, it's pretty evident to him that Lori does not want him to talk to JJ, who he does see in the back of the car. This is about the same time that J.J.'s grandparents would have their last, rather odd, FaceTime call with J.J. They mentioned on Dateline that J.J. seemed very distracted and that the phone call was only like 30-some seconds long. And since that time, they have not been able to get in contact with him. And they're also aware that they have moved, but they're not sure where... So on September 1st or 2nd of 2019, neighbors see Lori moving into a townhouse complex in Rexburg, Idaho. They do see both Tylee and JJ playing in the front yard. There's another podcast episode that's released with Lori and her friend Melanie Gibb. And police have found that Tylee, JJ, Lori, and her brother Alex all went on a day trip to Yellowstone because there's a picture of Tylee in in front of one of the entrances to the park. And that is the last known sighting that police have been able to find of Tylee. About a week after that, there's one more podcast episode with Lori and Melanie that features the book author Chad Daybell that Lori is very obsessed with. And to get into this religious group that Lori is in and produces this podcast, they themselves have come out since all this publicity and have explicitly said that they are not a cult or a group or even an organization that people can join per se. It's an entity that promotes awareness and lecture events on preparing people for Jesus's return, as as says in the book of Revelations. And they specifically focus on self-reliance and personal preparation for the end times, which Lori has been said to believe is in July 2020. They produce a few podcasts. They do one for Chad Daybell called Glimpses Through the Veil, Lori contributes on the podcast Time to Warrior Up, and she co-hosts on Field of Fire with that Melanie Gibb. Those podcast episode links have since been broken, and the Preparing a People group have officially stated that there is no association with them and the beliefs of the Daybells, as they don't align with the LDS doctrine, and Preparing a People is a LDS entity. So even though Tylee's last sighting was on September 8th, on September 17th, a neighbor with a ring camera doorbell had gotten footage of JJ playing in the front yard of their home, and neighbors had even gotten on to Lori about letting JJ play in the front yard for hours at a time without being supervised, and that's when she explained to them that JJ has autism, was her niece's drug baby, as she put it. The day after that, Lori logs on to care.com and finds a babysitter for JJ who comes over and meets with them and the next day on the 19th she is said to babysit JJ for Lori. She tells the reporters that the arrangement was supposed to be ongoing. However the next week on September 24th Lori calls this babysitter and tells her that JJ has gone to Louisiana to visit his grandparents for a while and she isn't needed anymore. She also calls JJ's school and and says that he won't be attending school anymore and she's going to be homeschooling from now on. When people asked about what Tylee's doing, she mentions that she's over at BYU taking classes for college. So then on October 1st of 2019, news statements show that Lori had signed a rental agreement with a storage unit in Idaho. So then on October 2nd, Lori's niece's ex-husband, Brandon Bourdois, Reports getting shot at by a silenced pistol that he initially thought was a paintball gun until he realized there was a silencer attached to the end of the gun. They shot out his window and drove off, but he managed to get a description of the vehicle, which the authorities actually traced back as the car that's registered to the now deceased Charles Ballow and is known to be regularly driven by Tylee Ryan now. And police start drawing connections. So he takes his kids and he goes into hiding because he's not sure if Melanie and Lori have anything to do with him being shot at. Just a week after that, a woman in Idaho also makes a social media post in a Facebook group about a weird incident she had on October 9th where she was getting stuff out of the back of her car in her front driveway of her home when a masked man was suddenly standing at the back of her car and shooting also what she thought was a paintball gun at her, but she notes it must not have been loaded because he missed and she managed to yell for her husband while the man runs off behind the house. Just 10 days after that social media posting, the woman who posted that would be found deceased in her home in Idaho and it turns out to be the wife of Chad Daybell. He tells family and authorities that she was having a coughing fit the night she went to sleep and must have passed through the night. They hold a memorial for her a few days later, and the family notes that Chad is distraught. They don't have any suspicion of the circumstances. Her death is ruled of natural causes, and her body is sent to Utah with her family to be buried. It's not even two weeks later when her husband Chad flies off to Hawaii and ends up marrying Lori, making it her fifth marriage. In the days after their marriage, they meet with a few locals on the island of Kauai to talk about renting rooms or and that's when a woman named Jeannie Martin describes them as very lovey dovey newlyweds that seem to be that seem to be free of children and spouses now. When news of Chad's marriage gets back to Idaho, Chad tells his parents that Lori's an empty nester, and he also tells his sister that Lori has no juvenile kids i mean and chad was married to that woman since 1990 and they had five children together so his family is pretty upset about this sudden marriage to a woman whose children are missing it's been a couple months since jj's biological grandparents have been able to talk get in any kind of contact with lori or jj and when kay notices a different address listed on the amazon account they share. She calls police and gives them the address of the townhouse complex where Melanie, Alex, and Lori all have different apartments. So police go there and question about JJ when Alex is said to have answered the door. He tells police that JJ's at their grandparent's house in Louisiana. Police are kind of like, well, that sounds like bullshit because they're the ones who called to ask for the welfare check. So then they go inside the home and Chad is there and he... Says he doesn't really know Lori, he doesn't even know her phone number, and the last time he saw JJ was last month in this apartment. When Lori finally comes downstairs, she tries to clear things up and says that Alex had it wrong and JJ is actually staying in Arizona with her friend named Melanie Gibb, who she runs her podcast with. So police leave, and when they finally get a hold of Melanie Gibb, she informs them that that's not true, she does not have JJ, and she hasn't seen him in months. So the next day, on November 27th of 2019, police returned to Lori's apartment with search warrants for lying about J.J.'s whereabouts, and they search her townhome and her storage unit. In the storage unit, police find photo albums, blankets, and keepsakes from Tylee and J.J. They also find their bikes and scooters, their ice skates, and their winter clothes. And in the townhome, they found J.J.'s prescription meds that he's supposed to be taking daily and found that they were last refilled of January the same year, and there's 17 pills left. They also find that Lori and Alex have split town, conveniently. So this starts raising red flags, and the authorities start raising public awareness that J.J. and possibly his 17-year-old sister Tylee may also be missing. Then out of nowhere, Lori's brother Alex Cox decides to marry a woman that's also in this religious group named Zulema Pastinas, and they were said to get married in an eight-minute ceremony in Las Vegas when Alex supposedly took her last name. A few days later, Melanie Gibb, Lori's co-host on the podcast, calls police and tells them about how Chad and Lori both called her on November 26th while they were asking about JJ and requested that, that Melanie lie to police and say that he was at her house down in Arizona, and she told them that she refused. So that makes police look into Chad Daybell's history a little bit more. And they request the Chad's recently deceased wife, Tammy Daybell's remains be exhumed because there's a few too many connections between odd circumstances relating to Lori Daybell's case. But the day right after her remains are exhumed from Utah, police in Arizona would get a phone call about Alex Hawks being found in medical distress in his new wife's home by her adult son. When medics arrive, they transport him to the hospital where he's pronounced dead and autopsy results have yet to be released and probably won't. So now there's a f- an official press release regarding the missing children and the possible connection to Tammy Daybell's death. And since the press release raised so much social media stirrup, so Lori and Chad release a statement per their attorney that says they'll address all the allegations once the rumors will go- have gone away. Which really just infuriates everybody. After the new year of January 2020, Lori's card declines for monthly payment at the storage unit and they notify police and the East Idaho News of the forfeited property in the unit that might relate to the missing kids. And now the public is aware of all these personal keepsakes that were left behind in Idaho by Lori, which adds more fuel to the fire. Even Chad's family is coming out publicly and pleading for Chad to cooperate with police about the missing kids. JJ's grandparents, Kate and Larry Woodcock, go on to offer a $20,000 reward for the return or any tips that lead to the return of JJ or Kylie. So while the state of Idaho is working on filing a child protection order against Lori... She's finally served on an island in Hawaii with the court order to produce the children to the Idaho courts within five days of being served. While she's being served, the Idaho news reporter is walking with her asking her questions when he sees Lori has a huge bag of cash, which is presumably from Chad Daybell's insurance payout that he had on Tammy Daybell. It was reported that he might have received at least $430,000. The very next day, Lori and Chad are both served again with search warrants, though, for their townhome in Kauai and their rental car that they've been using. In the rental car, they find Tylee and JJ's birth certificates. They find JJ's iPad per the initial engravement on the back of it. They find a second iPad with JJ's Apple account logged in. And they also find some uh, school registration receipts from back from Idaho for JJ. There's no evidence that the children have been on the island, but Tylee's open and active bank card is also found, and it's also been recently used since she's been reported missing. At this point, Lori's oldest son, Colby, leads to his mom in a YouTube video he uploads on January 31st to cooperate with police and come back home. Dateline airs a television special about the Dateline case and even sends Keith Morrison to Kauai to confront Lori and Chad, which, again, they don't say anything. Since the Dateline episode aired, an article and some statements from a woman named Julie Rowe, who was a past friend of Chad Daybell actually, announces that Chad had, re- had at one point told her about visions that he was having about Tammy dying and told her that he really felt like she was going to pass away between October and December. So in October, after she actually dies... One of his daughters calls this Julie woman up and she says from their conversation that she believes Chad had brainwashed these children into believing that, that he'd prophesized this death. She also mentions being very upset with him at the fact that he had moved on so quickly while his children were left back in Idaho to deal with an FBI raid going on at their house. So that's like totally a dick move. After being served with the Child Protection Court Order, Lori is a no-show in Idaho and does not produce her children. And everyone begins wondering when the hell this bitch is going to get arrested. Finally, on February 20th of 2020, just a few days ago, Lori was arrested in Kauai for two felony counts of desertion and non-support of dependent children. She has misdemeanor counts of resisting or obstructing officers. She's in contempt of court and criminal solicitation to commit a crime. The max she can be held is 14 years on each felony count, so 28 years total. And they initially set her bail at $5 million per the request of Madison County, who sent out the warrant. The next day after her arrest, her attorney requested that they lower the bail to 10000 The judge is obvious, like, fuck you, and keeps it at $5 million. And now she'll have to wait in jail for the next week when she'll... Be extradited back to Idaho set on March 2nd. So at this point, there's still a few possibilities of what could have happened to these kids. With the information that I have, it's very unlikely, but still possible, that there is something to do with human trafficking on this one. Um, Lori isn't able to produce the children to the courts, and if they were trafficked, they wouldn't be able to notify the public themselves. It would also mean that there is no murder to have to clean up, and they wouldn't have to worry about the kids being found again, from what I would imagine. However, this doesn't seem super likely to me because of the religious background involved here. The second possibility is that the children are being held at some kind of doomsday bunkers with or without the help of Lori's religious group. If that was the case, they also wouldn't be able to produce the children to the courts without being observed, This would also mean that Lori knows they're safe and alive, which contributes to the cockiness that she might be exuding at the moment. However, autistic children need their medication pretty regularly, and JJ's iPad is with Lori in Hawaii. From what I understand, there's no internet history or social media use by Tylee or JJ that we know of. Even more reachy here is the possibility that this is a huge publicity stunt just for chad daybell's book sales which is obviously the stupidest fucking thing i've ever heard of but i think i could possibly remind you of the case of bubble boy or a few years ago when ihop changed their name to ihob and they were going to become the international house of hamburgers and it was all just for like a publicity stunt and a media hoax So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities that this is just a huge publicity stunt for book sales. Chad's books are being bought pretty regularly right now on Amazon solely because people believe that they might have, they think Chad might have written some clues into where they might be hiding the children. Which I don't think is the case because he didn't even come into the picture until just last year. Lastly, the most likely possibility and the most upsetting is that the two children have been murdered by Alex or Lori. They, you know, wouldn't be able to produce them to the courts. They can't prove they're alive if they're dead. Alex is also dead now, so there's only Lori that knows. Chad even told his own family that Lori had no children and Lori also told lies about the children's whereabouts. All the children's possessions have been left behind and seized. The dog is gone and there's but literally been no contact made by the children themselves and Tylee's 17. She knows she knows how to get on the internet. Chad's first wife Tammy's rather suspicious death also only contributes to the fact that they might have murdered these children. However there is no evidence there is no physical evidence that we know of that these children are dead or alive and we have not been able to find their bodies. For future updates, I'm going to make probably small tidbits on the case if they're juicy enough, otherwise we'll just wait and see how this interesting case ends up playing out. It shouldn't be much longer before something major happens next, and I'm really hoping Tylee and JJ are okay and that they can have a happy ending to this one. So that's what I got for you. I hope you enjoyed my rendition of this story, and if so, please tell all your creepy friends about it. You can find the sources I used for the episode in its description. You can follow my Instagram account at True Crime Queen for some laughs if you need a little pick-me-up after all that dark shit. Feel free to leave an honest review on iTunes, or maybe even consider clicking the link in the description to make a small donation to my equipment fund so I can keep making you guys some killer ass content. See what I did there? I know. All right, bye!